and welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to Death Valley Dialogues. It's the Fan Levitard Show's long format interview where we interview the movers and shakers within the Levitard universe. And today, folks, I'm very excited about the guest that we have. He has revamped South Beach Sessions. He puts the odd in odd. Director, side note here. I intended to say oddball, but only said odd and did not catch it at the time. Because believe it or not, despite the fact that this is the start of this podcast, we'd actually already been talking for quite some time. Back to the interview. Ladies and gentlemen, Matthew Kugler. Thanks for having me, Nate. Thanks for being here. And I think where I want to start is I want to start with your conquering you seem hell-bent on making people cry. What do you want South Beach Sessions to be? Um, I'll, I'll tell you what I, I told uh, Dan when I uh, was first interviewing to, to take over South Beach Sessions. And um, hopefully fans will understand where I'm coming from in this and which is that obviously, you know, he's had so many iterations and versions of South Beach Sessions over the years, Art of Conversation, uh, South Beach Sessions has just been on for, um, you know, 100 episodes plus at this point in some version. And um, even over that time, it kind of being, you know, a, a place for, for Dan to really have one the time but just uh the the space to do these long-form conversations with people that he really respects and appreciates and everything like that um i think fans listening to the show for so many years you know they love they love dan they love Stu, they love the shipping container they love everybody and um to see a different side of dan that even through it all, it's like, you know, the show, you get the show, um, you know, their dynamics, their relationships and everything like that. But for Dan, there's so much you don't know, like about him, you, you know, his opinions on things, you know, where he's coming from, but you don't mm -hmm. exactly know why. And I think it's part of it is that he has done such a great job in making himself adaptable and making himself uh, feel like everyone's friend and all of his friends are your friends. And, and then it goes so beyond that and you feel like family. How, how the hell but, are you able to do that one? Make us feel like we're friends with Dan. How, how do you do that? I think really it's having him be more honest and open um, than he is even on the show, because at some point, um, when it hits that line of you're like, is this a bit? Is this not a bit? Um, is it real life? Um, I think for him, and especially on the South Beach side, uh, South Beach side of things, uh, South Beach session side of things, it's really a place to hear more of Dan in an honest way where he's not always playing for laughs. Or when he is, the laughs pay off that much greater because, hey, maybe there was some tears beforehand. Um, but I think in a space where 
there's so many long form interviews everywhere. Um, he has had so many conversations with people over, over the years. It's like, what new ground are you going to find with a lot of these people? And in that case, I think he has to do a little bit of the heavy lifting, which is that if you already know where you're going to get from him, maybe the appeal, the allure is not there from a guest perspective. But if he's presenting himself in a more open and honest way, then you're used to, by nature, you're going to one lean in a little bit closer and feel like, oh, uh, I in turn want to be a little bit more open myself. Um, I in turn want to meet, you know, Dan halfway, mm -hmm. so to speak, in being more vulnerable, being more emotional. And I firmly believe, uh, even though I'm more uh, comedy influenced, that the best kind of laughs are not just the jokes, you know, the smart jokes or the lines that you remember, but more often than not, they, they connect emotionally. It's like um, when you think of yeah. the funniest movie or the, you know, funniest comedian that you love, just moments with your friends, your family. Um, when you're thinking about like the, the best laughs or the best moments, more often than not, it's because it made you feel a certain way. Um, and, mm -hmm. you know, I've talked about that with many comedians over the years, too, which is that usually the biggest laughs. You, you laugh till you cry, right? Like there's there's uh, an emotional connection in those two feelings. Um, and I think for Dan, too, he enjoys one, the challenge at this point of having conversations with people that he either respects, admires or are, are new to him. And he just has an appreciation for them operating in a you know career industry an aspect of business or life that he is intrigued by and interested by so um it's a long-winded way <laughs> of saying that uh for dan challenging him to be more open himself and in turn being more open to finding honest conversations with people that he knows and or loves already. And then those that uh, he's excited to, to know as well. So, yeah, uh, absolutely. I think um, South beach sessions has become something that when it, when you guys put out an episode, I really look forward to it and it has become something that, in its previous iteration was it was still interesting and intriguing, but it, it felt more like it was an interesting learn something about this person or topic. And now like I have seen that growth of, you know, each time I feel like I'm learning more like about Dan. And of course, as a fan of the Dan Lebitard show of which he's a part, like that just draws me in more to that, um, to the South beach sessions. So, what are the growths that you the growths that you find most personally rewarding? Like, what do you identify as your most moving forms of growth in the Levitard and Friends Network that you've helped nurture? Um, I th I think it's really that. I mean the uh, the the fan response to the episodes that we've done already, uh, and I, and I'm excited for the ones that are are we have planned coming out. Um, is that 
you're getting to hear a different side of Dan and a lot of the people, you know, that are in the 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 show universe that people love already. And it's it's that going back to like the fact that you've a lot of people have listened to Dan for years and years and years. Um and yet they're surprised to hear Dan reveal certain things about um his experience or just the inner workings of you know his mind and you know beyond just talking about the development of metal arc media and just his leaving espn and everything like that you're actually getting to know him more as a person and as a as a human um and for me the the growth has really been uh i've been surprised at how quick he was to be open to it actually um i i've worked with a lot of uh hosts over the years that say yeah i'm game for that and then the plan is that they get going into it or try it and it's uncomfortable for a little bit and so then they go back to their old ways and they're like nah i don't want to do that anymore i don't want to try and uh dan has continued to be willing to push himself in in ways that i think are both rewarding for him personally um and and the guests uh and his relationships especially with guests that uh he's you know known for some years now um and that most fans would feel like they've already heard uh, i've already heard you know dan and amin talk uh how many for how many years and it's like okay well what if we have a conversation that they're having uh you know off mic and you just bring it forward and it's not this weird thing i've i've made it very clear to both dan and the guests too that um it only works if if they're comfortable um and they have to be to use you know dan's uh expression too is like they have to be comfortable in the uncomfortable mm-hmm. and i think there's a lot of growth in that um just because it's one challenging and uh it it forces you to kind of you know test where your limits are and where your boundaries are um but doing it in a way that in the end i think uh there's there's so much benefit for the audience listening to someone that they've trusted and loved uh and listened to for so many years show a different side of them that it kind of gives them the space and a relatable sorry i'm getting like uh (laughs) Just like a, to create a space for them to open up themselves wherever mm-hmm. they may be listening, wherever they may be watching uh, and reflect on how that may relate to other things they're going through in their life. Um, and yeah, I, I've, I've mm-hmm. truly been, you know, I had a huge respect for Dan uh, before and, and was a fan of the show. But my feeling, you know, when I met him and said to him in person was just like, yeah, I'm a fan of, of yours and I respect you and I listen to the show, but I don't know anything about you. And it's <laughs> like, what? How do you, you know, how, of course you've listened, but I was like, no. And I, and I think fans are realizing that too. Um, 
And in that, there's a lot of growth just in general. It's just like, uh, I hope to draw in both uh, new fans of just Dan hearing um, the people that he's talking to in a way that they would have never expected. Um, and for, you know, fans and and diehards of, of Dan and the show, they're, you're going to hear a side of him that is not the same as DLS, you know, and it's, and it's completely different from all the other conversations he's had in his 20 plus years of doing this. So. Yeah. And I think I've definitely seen that where it feels like South beach sessions is a more open space where, you know, not only is Dan opening up, but the guests that he come on, that the guests that come on are opening themselves up is too. But when I look at your life from the outside, I mean, anyone who looks at it says, man, that seems like a lot of fun. And some of what I see, because, you know, I'm, I'm coming from way outside across the country, Lancaster. I see like a lot of responsibility, a lot of pressure. You don't want to let down Meadowlark, Dan, Amin. And I, I don't know if his life is always fun. That's, that's a lot of work. So, so what is it like to produce Dan Lebetard, Amin Hassan? What does it look like to produce an episode of Oddball in South Beach Sessions? What is the work that you're putting in? Um, well, for both, I'll, I'll start with uh, Amin and Oddball. I, I will say like my respect and admiration for Amin is um, knows no bounds. I mean, I, I think he's great and um, he's a workaholic. So like whatever <laughs> element of uh you know complaints i could have about having to put in the work or or the time and what it's like to help you know produce that show um i would say he does it and then some mm -hmm. um Char charlotte as well it's like they're both two really game people uh, and they're you know no matter what they're down to try new things they want to challenge themselves they want to you know always make the show better and more fun um, and like both the thrill and the energy of me throwing things at them that they are not expecting. Um, you know, in the case of oddball, can't say enough. It's difficult to launch a new show <laughs> about basketball mm -hmm. in a comedic tone, uh, when there is no season, uh, to be had. Uh, so if you're wondering, is it about the NBA? Is it about comedy? I mean, is there any bigger joke than launching a daily <laughs> NBA show in the off season? So um, with that said, uh, you know, the idea behind that show was really to, to give both Amin and Charlotte a place where they can be a little weirder uh, and more themselves and try new things and be tested uh, by myself and other producers on the show, which is that we do throw things at them that they're not anticipating. And so to kind of break the mold of the normal sports talk uh, and so many NBA shows like it where, you know, they're given a take ahead of time. It's like a lot of it is them being you know, fed prompts pretty much um, in that space, which is just like, all right, you guys are going to talk about 
Uh, what do you think about James Harden sticking around in this, you know, with the Sixers? You know, Charlotte, you're going to be all for it. It's going to work out. I mean, you're going to rail against it. He's got to go immediately. Like, that's normally how it works, um, mm-hmm. just on the producing side of things. But with this show, I don't want that. Like, I think it feels too scripted. It feels too can, and it's not real. I'm acting, I'm asking them to play, um, not characters of themselves because you know hopefully they're just being themselves but i'm asking them to basically like bullshit and lie about what they think in that and you know the idea is that you need the conflict you need the confrontation between yeah uh the two hosts but um i would say that the the awkwardness and the this the messing up or the just naturally reacting to things uh in real time is way more interesting because they're not faking it. You know, like you can see when they do hype me up and they really don't want to hype up that person. It's like, they're not putting on, (laughs) they're not Mm. faking it. They're not putting on a, you know, a sheen to it all. You see it, you feel it, it's real. Um, And, you know, their dynamic too is that uh, they're both really funny and they are both trying to make each other laugh in different ways. Um, and that that's really enjoyable for me just on, on the producing side, because mm-hmm. I do think they're a lot of fun and uh, just wait till the NBA season starts. And mm-hmm. there's actually something to talk about. Yeah. Holy crap. Actually know? have consistent um, content. I mean, it, it sounds like yeah. you put in a ton of thought to everything you produce. And, and I'm wondering, like, are you present at home all the time? Like you're not thinking about the next bold or spicy or hype me up and whatnot. No, I am. I have the ton of tabs open right now that (laughs) they're all written out. Um, They, yeah, I'm, I'm present at home. Uh, I, I moved from Los Angeles where my wife and I lived for, I was there for 15 plus years. uh, And my wife is from South Florida. So it's a nice return to some family and friends, but for myself, um it's, it's certainly a, a a a massive change but i do believe in you know not only metal arc and everybody here and not to like sound like corporate coogs um but i i do um you know think across the board there's a lot of talent and um my my hope is to to actually challenge everybody in ways that uh maybe they weren't expecting um and to uh you know bring all the hollywood hollywood glam uh towards them uh but no um so ho- hollywood that's what amin refers to you as uh i've heard you've been referred to as a comedy writer how do you explain to people where you came from what you came from Oh, it's so nice to have it referred to as a comedy writer. Uh, there's a joke there. Um, where I came from, uh, do you want like just background or do you want me to? Yeah. How how do you explain where you came from, what you came from? What is your background? Uh, my background. Uh, I, I started at the um, Late Late Show with Craig Ferguson he was the Scottish one. Um, he was the Scottish one before the British one. Um, and post 
uh, Craig Kilborn. But uh, I started there when I was 20 uh, as an intern. And I was really excited about late night. I'm someone who just, uh, as a kid, you know, grew up uh, in front of the TV, latchkey kid uh, who was obsessed with all things comedy and uh, not that all things comedy, but um, uh, and late night in general, um, but just someone who always really admired, you know, the Letterman's of the world um, and, you know, loved watching SNL and, and loved Norm MacDonald, who I got to work with later as well um but starting at the late late show getting the opportunity from some really great writers that afforded me the chance to like write jokes write monologue jokes you know write help write sketches just be in the room um at a time when it's very hard to like break in in any capacity um and then on the producing side of things just because I was someone who was crazy and watched uh, endless uh, late night shows. So uh, even when before I started, I basically would watch all of the late night shows and all of the talk shows. And uh, which one was them. your favorite out of the ones that you were watching during that time? Um, who do you think was doing it the best? Or were you I really loved of anyone in what they were doing? I really loved Craig. I always thought he was really fun, you know, and, and it was, it was great to, to work there. Um, because I, I spent five years there and was too young to probably become a, a segment producer there. Um, but I did that where I essentially kind of developed the techniques that I've, uh, used even on South Beach sessions and other shows that I've worked at, um, in, you know, communicating with the host and then talking with the guests. So um, I don't know how many people know this, but just in the late night world, the way it works to break the fourth wall, uh, to (laughs) mod this wall, uh, is that um, when a guest comes on a show, and a lot of times uh, Conan is, is very known for this, there's very like scripted. You see the blue card that they hold in front of them. It has bullets. Uh, So beforehand, the segment producer uh, is tasked with uh, doing a pre-interview with the guest ahead of time, where they essentially kind of have a conversation of, hey, what do you want to talk about on the show? Uh And when they do that, you'll spend way more time having that conversation than the conversation that actually makes it to air eventually. But it's the segment producer having the guest with uh, having the conversation with the guest ahead of time. And then ahead of the show, they have notes from their conversation that's been shaped into what will be interesting or fun. And then they uh, basically pitch it or present it to the host. Uh, And in doing that, they kind of lay out the foundation of where the conversation should go. Now, some hosts in late night are much more strict to the card in front of them. Uh, That's not a knock necessarily on their improvisational abilities, but more just in terms of structuring the show and knowing, hey, I can only talk to this person for eight to 10 minutes right now. Um, But in the case of, uh, you know, Craig, uh, what was great about his interviews 
with Guest was there was much more of a looseness. So I usually had way too long of pre-interviews with people because I would kind of poke holes at mm. the traditional norms of the conversation, which is like, oh, I had a funny story happen. I'm like, I don't want to hear it. You know, it's like you don't want to get into biographical stuff. It's something I've tried to, you know, avoid more on South Beach sessions, too, which is knowing that an audience more often than not is not going to tune in to a, a long form one on one conversation with someone that they don't know. Yeah. You know, if they don't know the host, they're certainly probably how did they even get there? Um, if they're listening because they're listening to the guest, then they probably already know some information about them. So when you're picking and choosing like who you want to hear from, if you don't care about the guest, you're not going to tune in. Uh, and if you don't care about the host, then you probably don't trust their skills to bring out anything new or interesting about the guest that you might be tuning into. So to try and break out of that, um, I think you really have to get to like the nuts and bolts of if you just walked up to a stranger, how would you approach them? And also, you know, what would you be talking about that would ultimately lead you to not want to walk away immediately? <laughs> no. uh, and with Craig, he had a, a real knack for um, drawing that out of people. Uh, and I uh, unfortunately became known as like the little therapist uh in the talk show world because I would ultimately uh, talk too long to guests as I am right now, probably long-winded. Uh, and then <laughs> I usually get calls from people saying like, you know, you can't use that on the air or you can't use <laughs> that on the air or you, I don't know why they shared that with you. Uh, and I was, I don't know either. Um, but I really enjoyed that because uh, you got to hear a lot of people just, you know, going through, a weird structure that is uh, the talk show landscape, uh, the celebrity landscape, but also just the industry element, which is like, you know, in trying to make content, you can't forget that there's people behind it all. Uh, and so they have their ups and downs. They have their struggles. Uh, they have their days when they don't really want to do it and they got to fake it. And then there's other days uh, when they're really excited. And the last thing you want to do is be met with someone who seems uh, completely disgruntled and over it and is already but, checked out. So, But aren't most podcast producers miserable underneath? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, that that's well, what that's I've always stop. heard and thought. <laughs> yeah, no. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, how, how are you handling it? I'm... I'm miserable most of the time, except with my kids, yeah. you know, little, little bundles of joy. Oh no. Yeah. No, I think, uh, I mean, you probably, you wouldn't keep doing it. Right. <laughs> no, I love, I love it. I enjoy yeah. it. No, the opportunity to be um, creative, I all that jazz. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> all that jazz. Uh, you sold it. You sold it. Listen up, kids. But you know, you haven't ever cracked, though. I mean, I assume there's been times where you've been maybe right time, right place, and you did you take the fine bucket money? Because in all my this just turned into Antelope Valley accusations here, folks. In my research, you and Chris Cody 
as far as I know, we're the last people seen with the fine bucket money. It's time for you to explain yourself. I like that you set that up at first where I was like, oh, is what you're trying to do is in South Beach Sessions form, you're like trying to crack me and uh, get me to cry. Uh, and instead, you just uh, throw uh, horrific allegations <laughs> my way instead. Because uh, I'm know, just we trying to, to get that, to the actually. bottom that, I'm, of the truth here. No, this is good. I'm tr I'm trying to think about how to approach this. Trying to find uh, out in South Beach session. No, no, no. Unrelated to the fine bucket. I'm trying to think about South Beach sessions. Is is we need to have someone on and then we accuse them of a crime uh, that we've heard w in whispers. Um, I'll be honest with you. That's all I ask. I have I have no idea who took it. I don't even I truly I think you probably have a better idea of who took it than me. Uh so Chris and I were I guess if not the last thing to second to last thing to record at the Clevelander Studios. Um and it was the reaction uh South Beach Sessions mm -hmm. to uh his his father's episode uh great the, relationship the greg cody Chris and greg have two fans never complain about that relationship great relationship not even i love not that even relationship. once yeah i i genuinely if i can uh smooth out anything uh that needs no smoothing out it's that uh they're genuinely uh wonderful loving father and son um so i i will not spit on that beautiful um relationship that they have uh so yes that's but in that 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 relationship would probably be even more beautiful if they had that fine but fine bucket money whoa you know no they don't they don't have it um yeah i don't I truly you so have you, speculated who, day, who's was, telling you this stuff who's, who's yo I have some journalistic integrity here I'm not going to reveal sure. my sources although the sources have oh, been okay. revealed in a podcast um all it's just what I've gathered that you guys were some of the last people there to do the reaction and the fine bucket mm -hmm. was seen there I mean maybe I could go look at the tape and see I've I got to talk to Lewis. I've talked to him a little bit about know, this I, video. I was, was going to say he might be my so next Lewis. Go. So Lewis and and the timetable of in which Lewis implies he saw it last is what? I don't. All I know is Lewis had a video. Oh, oh. So and, he has video of who he speculates, but there's yes, no video. I, I probably of need his to, last whereabouts. Yeah, I need to do some more follow up on that and I, I like how quickly you gave up your sources too so. <laughs> lewis is not my source for for you sir i have not given that oh, okay up. the lewis source was okay. they they talked about it on the show and i i connected with him on the gram and a little a little back and forth i don't know maybe i'll maybe i'll follow I'll, up and see if i can't you know get what? my hands on this footage here's here's what i'll say and this is probably going to sound terrible <laughs> So I'm going to say it, okay. which is that my only association with said fine bucket and in those final hours beforehand was saying, hey, what are we going to do with the fine bucket? 
and they were packing up stuff. We were taking a lot of the the tiles on the wall. I have I have several uh, myself. I took the South Beach sessions one. Everyone's you know taking this taking the stuff on the wall, packing up things, breaking down the equipment, the studio. Weirdly, the fine bucket just kept being moved around and around and around. Hmm. I suggested, hey, let's just give it to the staff at the Clevelander. And that was met with a... Really? So this is this is a big scoop for me. So you made a suggestion. I made a suggestion, which was, hey, let's just give it to the staff. And everyone was like, ah, blah, blah, terrible. Who are you again? What's your name? <laughs> Get out of here. Um, and uh, yeah, I was honestly way more just uh, just happy that uh, we got to record uh, one of the last things at the Clevelander. And yeah, I mean, only good enough I, for me that I know this... of that we shot. What, yeah, the only thing that I know we shot afterwards was the uh, just the the scene. I wasn't even there for it, but it was uh, with Witty. Uh, so that when Pablo came by the studio and then goes in and notices that no one else is there but Witty, that reveal. I think that was technically mm. the the final thing shot there. I have no idea if uh, the. Uh, fine bucket was still on the premises so what's your theory i know everyone asks what's your okay, theory if you want to know and your theory, theory was you me ask no, that wasn't my theory. i'm just like... following the threads okay. here coogler the, okay. the threads led me to you and okay i now i know you're innocent story you told mm-hmm. it sold me but i gotta follow the thread where it goes if i had if I could talk to anybody who I would talk to is this Mike Jones character who is mentioned on this side um, that Mike mentioned. I've, I've heard from other sources that everyone thinks it was a behind the scenes person that took it. Um, and this Mike, there's been a Mike Jones mentioned. I tried to find out who this Mike Jones is. I think who? Mike Jones, you know who? Um, I, I'm, I'm from Houston. If I didn't say that, I think... I think I'm not allowed back in the 713 if I didn't immediately say who to Mike Jones. Uh, that's no, nah, Mike Jones is great. Not everyone loves Mike Jones. All, all versions of Mike Jones are great. <laughs> so, you, so you're clearing his name too. If I had, that was because that's all I know about a behind the scenes and a, a implicating comment was made about him on the show. So, I mean, maybe maybe someone heard your comment and actually ended up doing it and, I don't know, didn't follow through. Or maybe a Clevelander staffer overheard that comment and was like, it's ours. I don't know. That's that's also possible. So, uh, yeah. Well, before we wrap up, there's... We're we're in this this zone of controversy. So one one last staying in this theme. You work closely with Amin. What's this? You got anything on the Amin and Izzy beef? I I would be remiss to not not uh throw a question your way. Amin Izzy. I, my theory is that was uh, a bit. 
I thought I was supposed to get softball questions and not oddball questions. This one, this one's a real doozy. Um, I I love Izzy. I don't. If you haven't watched his uh, South Beach Sessions episode with Dan, I highly recommend it. Um, I highly recommend Amin's as well. Um, especially uh, all all of his words about the. Uh, continued ongoing um, struggle and just uh, horrific atrocities going on in the Sudan. And uh, while I say that, you are now trying to think about how could I derail your question anymore into making it difficult as to answer whether... (laughs) Really dead uh, fish in this. Yeah, you're very welcome. If If a... fight between Amin and Izzy is real um I I mean it wasn't comfortable for most people uh it was certainly tough and a lot of people were uh is this a bit is this not a bit I know that the audience was also unsure of is this a bit is this not a bit um and I think the only comment I'll make about it uh, as a whole is that um, those feelings were were reverberated throughout Metal Arc Media. Hmm. Another so you'd have to ask you'd have to ask Amin and Izzy actually about how they feel about it all. But um, I'll take. Have it. we seen them together since? I don't know. Nah, hmm. they're fine. <laughs> or not they might not be or they're great back to last uh last question here and then i have one two last question long one here or however long you want then two quick hitters what gives you the greatest rewards of the things you produce is it the reward the oddness of oddball gives you is it the genuineness of south beach session if you had to pick one what would it be uh oh that's tough um you have to pick okay i have to pick yeah okay otherwise Um, the question doesn't work oh shoot you know i didn't even think about it like that yeah um oddness of oddball genuineness of oddball or the genuineness of south beach session i would say uh I'm a uh, genuine person, so I'll go with uh, the genuineness of South Beach Sessions um, because uh, I think we've made a lot of strides already, and I think there are a lot more to come. Uh, And oddball's not odd enough for me yet, so there's that. I think uh, without doing the, you know hard sell right now on why people should be listening to oddball it's that uh if you think you don't like it now uh you have no idea what's coming next (laughs) and if you like it now congrats you're odd and it's only gonna get more odd so uh look out but uh yeah i i feel like it's funny right now because i'm 
essentially uh am i doing a bit or i'm not doing a bit no um no i'm not i'm not doing a bit so uh genuineness good choice i mean i think what you do is really unique i think you could have picked either of those uh if you look across the sports landscape i mean i think the the genuineness that has been developed in south beach sessions does feel unique um and the oddness of oddball feels unique i know for me personally i really came to enjoy oddball uh at the start of the school year i actually had to get hernia surgery um oh, no i'm sorry for uh i was dealing with like a hernia for like six months just took a really long time okay. to get someone to properly diagnose it but anyway i had my surgery and they ended up finding three hernias so i was a little bit more beat up than i thought and so with our two kids, they still sometimes like crawl into the bed. So I couldn't have them like rolling around on me. So I was in another room and what my bedtime routine became was I, before I'd go to sleep, I would save oddball for the end of the day and watch it, um, at night and kind of treat it like a late night comedy sports show. And oh, nice. over that time, I like, I just really came to appreciate it and looked forward to, however you guys uh, were going to approach it um, that week. And I think just uh, having that, like I I just came to appreciate everything that you were doing with this show and started to appreciate the uniqueness um, of it. So two final questions, quick hitters. Is there a chance we're going to get a South Beach session with like members of the show, like maybe a Dan and Stu got South Beach session, Dan with a shipping container member. Is that something that's a possibility? Yes. Okay. And last question. I'm excited. It's, I'm it's excited. in the works. Good. Yeah, it's it's in the works. Uh, I assure you, I have a list in mind, uh, and some of them may have been recorded already, and and what? some are to be recorded soon. So scoops galore, folks. Final question here: How much diet coke do you drink in a day? Um, I drink a lot. Uh, this is. Number five, don't tell my wife uh, of that. Um, I don't know. At my worst in college, I used to drink uh, anywhere from 18 to 24 cans a day. Um, and before I roll into uh, the Elser, I have already had, if not two, at least one large uh mcdonald's diet coke and i'm usually finishing the second one by the time we have our production meeting so well fast enough for you oh just more scoops i feel like i understand you so well after after our extended time together here i i want to thank you uh coogs matthew matthew kugler for coming on. I appreciate it. Uh, and sharing some of your insight of what you're trying to do with the podcast that you're producing. And I just want, I appreciate what you do and what you add to metal arc. Thank you, sir. No, I, I really appreciate that. And if, if I can just, uh, throw some thanks your way too. um, have a, a great appreciation just for one, uh, the 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 pod is great and two uh just so you know other people 
commend <laughs> your abilities all around. You do great <laughs> stuff. Genuinely, no, truly. Uh, I'm not like just trying to blow smoke up your ass. Uh, I, you, you do a great job, and everybody like your clips are great. Uh, this the stuff that you put together and edit and mock up, like it's it's great. Um, it's really funny. Uh, I'm saying that just not even from mm. a, a fan uh, or a, a show element. I'm just saying that like in terms of what you're putting out there is really great. Um, but you know, two, um, I hope you're sincere in, in the, you know, comments that you have about South beach sessions and oddball too, because, uh, I'm someone that does actually believe in, in both of the shows, uh, mm-hmm. and especially on the South beach session side, uh, I've had so many people tell me that the, you know, several episodes in particular have either encouraged them to have more conversations with their friends or family that are a little bit more open. Um, and that's truly, uh, the best part of it because, um, I hope that people connect to it and I never need to know it and Dan never needs to know it, but, um, I really think those are the stuff that resonate beyond just you know, the love of Dan and the show and, and, and Stu and the shipping container and everybody is that, um, you know, if you connect to, to anybody in a way, um, that, that allows you, uh, the, the space and, and the comfort and vulnerability to then, uh, approach those that you are close to in your life, um, in, in kind, uh, that's really beautiful. Uh, and I just did the thing that everybody can't stand, which is that I knocked on my table right now uh, while recording. And I assure you, we all try and tell Dan to stop doing it as much. <laughs> so now, yeah, that's what that sound is. But I didn't, I didn't pick up at all. You must sure have a really good microphone. Yeah, that's what. That's yes. <laughs> all right, thank you, sir. Uh, but thank, yeah, no, thank you. I really appreciate it, Nate. <laughs>